Welcome to episode 66, The Wicked and the Divine, volume 2, Phantomonium, file undertake 2. です。面白い本と差し込ってテストの今週のエピソードへようこそ。サンタン。ダン。イングリッシュウィークアマーレイバンドコミックリーダーズスラッシュアマチュアニュースを使用と漫画と描画展ワーです。オールワイルトライングト
is awesome. For, again, go on YouTube, look up I Could Be That Guy from Sister Act the Musical. Um, in some other productions, what they've done is they've just, um, it's the Eddie, the cops, big mm -hmm. song. And so, on Broadway, it was it's a double tearaway. But some productions, they, he just, like, removes his jacket, flips it inside out, and it's like a sparkle jacket, because it's like this whole disco thing. Mm -hmm. But Ben decided, Ben, the director, decided that he wanted to have the two ripaways, and so we did it. And nice. it is so cool. Oh, it's it's totally gonna get applause. Like it is going to Yay. get applause because it is so awesome. Uh, anyway, that's that's that show. With that show opening, of course, um, we can officially announce this Christmas we're doing the Christmas Schooner, which I continually hear is a very heartwarming tale about Christmas and the true meaning of it. Uh, it's about this family who uses a boat to like go from Canada to America to bring Christmas trees to this town or something um <laughs> it's a it's a it's a play with music not a musical they did it um at the theater at port tobacco players like i don't know 20 years ago and everyone's like oh it's just so cute it's so cute and i'm like is there a double tearaway costume <laughs> is there glitter habits is there you like it so, like, everything about the show just doesn't scream something that I would do, which actually could be good for me to try to scale back and, you know, do a, a, a smaller show. Though I'm not as excited about it, at least I'll, I'll, I'll still be working with my friends this, this holiday season. And it is very scaled back. From what I understand, there's a very minimal costume change. It's one of those shows where everyone has a stock costume but gets, like, a shawl or... A winter coat kind of kind of yeah. a deal, mm -hmm. which is again fine. I'll still make it work. But um, anyway, so that so that's coming up, and then I'm doing Boeing Boeing after that, which should be loud, bright '60s fun colors, and then um, Calendar Girls, which is Naked Old Ladies. Yeah, yay, Naked Old Ladies. So, um, so not too much of the costumes there. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> so they, I've, yeah, I've seen the movie. But, <laughs> but the the trick is in the stage show that the ladies should still be topless. So it's part of the costume, the costumer and the prop slot set decoration people to figure out how to keep the ladies hidden without making it like a, just a giant square. I guess you like, mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Because the 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 directors don't say that um, if you're showing actual breasts, then like nipple and areola, then you're doing the show wrong, mm -hmm. but. But they should still take their shirt off. They shouldn't wear, like, a bodysuit or something, because that kind of ruins the illusion of the show. Gotcha. Um, but anyway, so that's that's kind of exciting. Um, also, I can't remember if I announced on here, but I've officially been uh, booked for a second Eleanor's New Deal Cabaret. Hooray! Yeah, it's hooray! So it's October hooray. 29th. We're doing this whole Halloween theme uh, we're going to be doing lots of Rocky Horror, and I, I, apparently I've been told that Poor Unfortunate Soul has become a signature number that I have to perform all the time, so uh, we'll As well see. you should. <laughs> so, so we'll see, but anyway, now I've gone and talked for five solid minutes, so <laughs> that's my introduction, everyone. We also have the lovely and talented, the soon to be in California, and I think when this comes out, you will be in California. We have Adam. Yeah, I don't know if um, it'll be the week I'm down there or if I'll be back by then, but yeah, what's up? I'm Adam up in Utah on my extended vacation right now, doing movie reviews uh, and also the reviews editor for Big Shiny Robot 
and the uh, co-host of the Board as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Hey, Andy. Hi, Andy. And I'm hoping by the time we record our next episode, uh, they will have mm-hmm. released the list of my Comic-Con panels because they're nice. working to kind of do them a little faster than last time. So, you know, we've got two months to prepare instead of two weeks. So nice. hopefully I'll be able to announce some fun things then. And also really looking forward to some big news coming up with us and for our yeah. chance to finally, for one one or two or maybe three, who knows how many episodes, get to all be in the same room together and record. Because apparently when it was you, uh, it was me, Brian, and Todd the other day, we were a bit rowdy from, from what I've heard. A little bit. From, a little uh, bit. From you. So uh, <laughs> all I know is I don't think Utah is prepared for the combined vodka-fueled forces of Adam and Q. I Yay! don't think so either. So... Uh, if, if, you know, a month from now you see there's a huge thing and, like, you know, Utah just burned the fuck down, uh, you know why. So maybe, maybe uh, plan your vacation to Utah at a different point in time because uh, I've been out of fucks to give for a long time and I'm excited for this. Only you can prevent forest fires by keeping Adam and Q out of the same state. Oh, my God. It's going to be... So, I mean, the thing is that, uh, you know, and I'm bringing uh, my best friend Ben with me, so mm-hmm. it... It might get crazy. Oh, I'm sure it will. And I actually kind of feel bad because I'll actually have to work a little bit while I'm there. So, like, I have to be. I am sure I'm going to come home to some crazy stories. I'm going to be like the Blitz from How I Met Your Mother being like, oh, man. Because uh, I'm going to miss all the fun stuff. But, yes, uh, we will be recording a few live episodes. We're probably going to have to do at least one or two more remote episodes before we get to that point. Uh, hi, I'm Brian, and I am busy doing a lot of different things. I uh, I think I might have said this on previous episodes, that I was like, hey, the uh, video game I'm doing isn't coming out until next year. Well, that's the full version of it. It's still going to be coming out this fall on Steam, so that's still steaming ahead, so I'm still very busy with that but i also have several shows open up at lyric at this point in time um and you can totally go and see them and if you come to see uh big river and you can see the uh the guy at the soundboard uh try not to lose his mind because he's been bouncing back and forth between two different states doing lots of different shows that would be me say hi <laughs> uh, as we're recording this um i just got back for last week from opening big river um, a couple nights ago wait until dark open and from what i understand it actually did very very well and right now they're in rehearsals for the foreigner which is a uh, a very funny script comedy from uh, the 1980s which people ask me like what the hell that is and I just have to explain what the story is and actually people are like oh that actually sounds pretty cool so it's this guy who's going through a terrible breakup his wife's dumping him and he finds out that she's been cheating on him and his buddy uh, who is in the military uh, they're both British by the way uh, takes him to rural Georgia for like a little vacation he's like oh man but I don't want to talk to anybody because uh, this buddy has to go to the base and can't take his friends so he's going to leave him in this little bed and breakfast that he has a tendency to hang out at this hotel and so he says oh no it's okay I'm going to tell everyone that you don't speak English so now you have this guy who's broken hearted everyone assumes that he doesn't speak English so they start saying all sorts of things behind him and he ends up becoming very aware of a secret plot for the KKK to try to buy the bed and breakfast and turn it into their new headquarters. So therefore of course that you know hilarity ensues and you know wackity schmackity do. <laughs> At one point in time I did find an entire uh, collection of music of uh, 80s covers uh, in bluegrass which I was trying to use at one point in time but didn't quite work out I'm sorry. So that is all open so like at least my lyric part of my summer is starting to die down um, on the 21st and 22nd of July which is the end of this week when this comes out they are doing a 50th celebration where um, some uh, major alumni from the theater company will be coming back and doing a big presentation and I will be mixing that as well. There's also a big outdoor street party uh, with a DJ friend of mine, a DJ Wendy Walker, uh, who works at Disneyland a lot, um, who will be coming out and DJing that. Now when you say a big, a big street party in Logan... That's like yeah, you know, your backyard bash that's else. like that's like you know the cruising. Well, and that's the thing is like I, I I don't know how big it's going to be, so I say come out and hang out. We're gonna have some food trucks and things like that. As I was talking to our technical director, of the theater company goes, yeah, the thing about 
Logan is is that people don't want to pay for anything. So if there's something for free, they will show up and stand in line for hours to do it. So we might get a good crowd. I don't know. I kind of hope we do. Um, it's on the Friday and Saturday just before uh, the 24th of July. So, you know, uh, but it. Uh, I hope it'll be a good time, you know. Um, but I did a kind of a cool, uh, I did the audio for a... Um, it's looking to be a very cool video presentation about the history of the theater. There will be—it's a four-minute thing that'll be part of the party. Uh, will be projected on the wall of the theater, but uh, I think it's actually really fun. So, uh, if you're in the area and like to come check it out, come check it out, and you might run into some of us there. I'm gonna try to drag Q and Adam up at least one of those days because Q will be in town. Be fun. Yay! Our dear friend Todd is not able to make it this week. We don't know if he'll make it next week, but he will be back soon. Things are okay, but uh, he won't—he just won't make it for a couple days, I'm sure. Uh, so uh, once he gets back. We will love to have him back, but until then, we're missing you. We're thinking of you, buddy, um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of comic book reading done. Uh, yeah. So, that being said, uh, let's jump into uh, drinking games. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game, and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. I have one I'll start out with. In honor of Todd, who is not with us, I am going to have the... Uh, I'm just calling this in honor of Todd, and that is... Take a drink every time you see a bitch in hairdo. That's an honor, Todd. <laughs> that is such a Todd drinking game rule. I think we did this last time uh, too, because it, again, being a yeah. continuation is uh, every time someone snaps or tries to snap or, or does snappy thing, take a drink. I kind of have two as well. One's, okay. I mean, they're they're both kind of snarky. So the first one is, I want to call it "What the fuck are all of these symbols?" I got every you. time they yeah. they have that page where it has all the god symbols, yeah. and you're just like staring at it, being like, "So which one is this one?" Yeah, who are you? Because it's like it seems, especially to as you get towards the um, later part of this collection, that it's like every four pages they have yeah. this. They have the same. So in the in the stories, there are like markers of time. It tells you what date it is, but mm-hmm. it's so it gets so annoying because like you feel like you're get anyway. Yeah. I'll get the, I'll get that to that part in the reviews. But anyway, so there so anytime you see one of those pages, the black pages with all the symbols on it, and the other one that I wanted to say, I'm gonna call it the feist rule. One of the other uh, another character tick that all of the gods have is they count to four for whatever reason. And so anytime someone counted to four, I go one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah. Feist song from like 2006 or whatever <laughs> that was. I love that song, but I, I that's all I could do every time someone counted to four. Then, like during the Dionysus like party scene, I was just I was yeah. singing that entire song. I almost did that one, and that didn't actually make it as one of my two rules. My two rules are: I don't want a fucking flyer, <laughs> uh, which is every time Laura turns down a flyer, take a drink. It really only works for issue seven, so that's why I came up with a secondary one. Um, this one works for most of them. Uh, I call this the underworld rule. Every time there's a mention of the underworld, which there are actually a fuck ton, take a drink. People are gonna get fucking wasted if they start playing all these rules. Yeah, I feel like at this point in time, it's just sort of like pick the one you like and go with. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please, please don't choose all of. Them. Them. I mean, yes, unless you're really, no. really wanting to, if much you really want to get that fucked up, I mean, I've been there. Or if you're like so. sitting there re- reenacting the book aloud with friends, you know, like you do, like everyone does with comic books, obviously, you're reading it aloud. Just take turns around the group. So each of you, like every time something hits, one person takes a drink, then the next person takes a drink. Just share it, share the load amongst friends, you know, I like uh, as that. far as that goes. 
I'm sure you do. Uh, I am very outnumbered on this episode. We can have a very happily gay episode. It'll be very fun. Fabulous. Fabulous. That puts us to a point. Let's uh, jump in on votes. Vote for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the foreman. Vote for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's gonna run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you, our dear listener. Along with each vote, our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now who is the bond? I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Um, I think I know what all of our votes are going to be, but Adam, yay or nay, shall we read this, or what, should a person read this book? Yes, 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 <laughs> uh, Q, what is your vote? Yes, because it gets you to the next one. Yes. Okay. I, I agree with that. There are certain things about this book that I, I'm going to say yes as well. There are certain things about this book that I fucking love. There are also certain things that it's just plotting the, the plot forward to, which is not uncommon for a lot of the sophomore books that we've read so far this month. Adam, and I'm going to throw this on you just because I'm throwing this on you and being a jerk. Can you refresh our memory as to how the last book ended or what we saw in Collection 1, you know, before we jump into Collection 2? Um, yeah, that's actually that's one of my complaints about the book, which I'll get to later on. But no, basically you have the story about that the gods exist and is every, is it 92 years? Every 90 years. 90. So every 90 years uh, they are brought back to life. Basically humans are put through this ritual where they become one of the gods like Lucifer or Baal or uh, Baphomet or uh, just a bunch of different ones. Uh, they are basically worshipped, adored for two years, and then after that, they die. Those of you who haven't read the first book, A, fucking go back and read it because it's, it's pretty much our hallmark of the best comic we've read so far in this book, and that is the, it's always going to be the A, and we compare everything to the first book. So basically, you have these gods that are born every 90 years. This is the current incarnation, or relatively current incarnation. This happens, uh, this story takes place in uh, 2014, mm-hmm. um, and all of these gods are born, are uh, created, and are young pop stars in England and London. They're all very similar to certain pop stars you know. There's one that's very much a Daft Punk character. There's one that has a, a very sort of Kanye West vibe. As we see in this book, he's not as much in the first book, but in this book, there is one that kind of has a very Prince vibe, who is one of my personal favorite characters. And then there is uh, a character named Lucifer, or Lucy, who kind of has a David Bowie vibe, in my opinion, but like you kind of interpret it a couple different ways. So uh, Lucy ends up getting... I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, so I might be wrong on this, but I think Lucy, for some reason or other, gets arrested. So they get attacked, Lucifer confronts them, and somehow the people who are attacking them die, which yes. everyone takes to think that uh, Lucy kills them, which she claims that she did not. So then at the trial, the judge then dies, and again, everyone thinks that it's that it's Lucifer, and she's definitely denying this. There's a, our protagonist of the story, Laura, sort of becomes, as Ball calls, calls her in the second book, Satan's little helper, and is just really, she really believes that Lucifer was telling the truth, that she did not commit these crimes, and there's obviously some kind of conspiracy, and one of the other gods is um, killing people. And when Laura goes to the gods to kind of figure out, well, why aren't you guys helping her? And then she goes to tell Lucy that they're not going to come help. Lucy's like, well, fuck all of them. I only have two years. I'm going to go party. Starts blowing shit up. And then Ananki, uh, who is sort of the... I guess protector slash leader of the gods comes, kills Lucy, the end. See, and that's all the stuff I wish I could have remembered jumping into this book because, as I mentioned when we did the first uh, one, this is the first 
and only graphic novel series where I went and got the first one off of Comixology and immediately powered through the next three the same night. But it was like a year ago, so I don't remember. You know, so I'm jumping back in trying to remember, who, who the fuck is this bitch? You know? <laughs> well, and there are hints to it in this book, but yes, you should have, I mean, should read the first book. I guess I should have put a spoiler warning on there that if you haven't read the first book yet, you should have stopped listening, but now we've kind of spoiled the first book for yeah, you. Know, so, but first of all, if, it, if we're doing a volume two, people should know better. Yeah. Well, Q says you should know better, so <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry if you call that case. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Q doesn't care about you apparently. Um, no, anyway. I love you. I mean it. Yeah. I, love, I love all forty-two of you. Oh, you said forty-two. I love you. So that kind of gets you caught up to this point in time, um, and that probably is about everything you're going to need to know going into it. So uh, that's a good point in time. We're going to take a little break. So if you haven't read it yet and you would like to, and we all highly recommend that you do if you haven't read the series, it is pretty amazing. Then this is your chance to jump in and start reading it. And press pause. We'll hang out and we'll wait. And then when you're done, you can uh, unpress pause or you know press play again or however your device works, and we'll start blathering on about it and start spoiling the hell out of it and start uh, adding our own little. Uh, beautiful insights to it and probably snarky because I know both Q and I and probably Adam are very tired so there could be a fair amount of snark from this. What snark from us? No. Not me, I though. mean. Um, <laughs> I was saying not me and then you put in that. <laughs> I mean we got, we got t- Q's over there. He's a nice good Christian woman and I'm a chaotic neutral Christian woman so we, we're just great. Which one? Nobody cares. <laughs> okay. We will see you on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. So welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed the book as much as we did. And uh, if you, you know, didn't, and for some reason just plowing through and just want to know the plot, well, we're going to tell it to you. And uh, or if I guess there's the off chance that maybe you read this a year ago, like we did, and you're just listening to the episode, being like, oh yeah, I remember reading that. I wonder what their thoughts are on it again. Well, guess what? This is the time in which Q flips through the book and retells you everything you should have known. Yep. Uh, we like to call it the lightning round. Lightning round begins. Laura, who at the end of the last book, she lit her own cigarette doing the same thing that uh, Lucifer does, so she thinks that she might also have powers. So she sees some fans in the street. You can tell she's kind of traumatized by the whole seeing Lucifer killed in front of her. She is pretty kind of sad, and she really hasn't said anything, but now she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm gonna just go out there and be, you know, part of conventions and things to really try to find out, you know, what's going on. And she meets Inanna, and um, he is sort of her, quote, deep throat, her her insider in the gods, and uh, Inanna is both Lucifer and Baal's ex-lover. So Inanna sort of learns that the attackers of Lucifer were actually not crazy fanatics, like some sort of weird religious cult, but were actually fans of Pantheon. So she, Laura then decides that she's gonna go do pretty much Comic-Con for the for the, the, the Pantheon, and this is where you get the, no, I don't want a fucking flyer, um, <laughs> which is <Yep>. awesome. <laughs> so she meets up with Cassandra, who is um, a reporter that you met in the last book, who is really skeptical of the gods and sort of uses Cassandra's connections to, again, still investigate all of the stuff, even though she doesn't really like Cassandra. 
she says that she still trusts her. So there's this whole side story with uh, Wu Den and he embarrasses Brunhild, who used to be one of his Valkyries, whatever. Minerva um, attacks Brunhild because she tried to kill Wu Den and they're like, all right, whatever, bye. Which kind of puts Minerva in a very uh, sad mood. So Baphomet comes to Laura and says that the Morrigan would like to come uh, talk to her. So they go down to the underworld and uh, she finds out that the 11th god has been, I guess, awoken, recurred, whatever they want to say. So Dionysus is the 11th god. And Dionysus uh, throws this giant party and you touch him and pretty much it's like a rave for two and a half days. Everybody just feels like magical and special and all of this stuff, you, you count to four a lot. And if you've ever done ecstasy, that probably makes a lot more sense. Um, so you find out that Baphomet actually wasn't with the Morrigan when um, shit went down with the courtroom and Baphomet wonders why the Morrigan lied to her. Then the party ends and you're really starting to get a feeling from um, all of the gods as, as you're kind of meeting them and talking to them that none of them are really too happy with being a god. Like, for example, Dionysus seems to have these really cool powers of just an endless party, but then he goes, I don't sleep. Like, that's gonna fucking suck. Like, I'm tired. Laura and Ball uh, then go have sex, I'm assuming, because that's what is implied. The uh, Baphomet goes to talk to Ananki, and Ananki tells him that uh, people think that if they go up to a god, say Prometheus, and try to kill them, that they take their powers. And she says, that's a lie. However, if you are a death god, that you can kill another god and get their time added to your time. Um, kind of a thing, which is a very weird and shady thing for him to tell him, because it's like, why are you telling me this now? What? That's so weird. So then, uh, she also invites Cassandra to come uh, speak to her and do an interview about the gods. You get a little bit of a history and kind of who Ananki is, that she is the one who awakens the gods. She then awakens Cassandra as Erder, who is one of um, the three Nordic fates. She then turns her uh, camera crews into the other two fates, and so now they are also gods. Laura is very upset by the fact that she was not chosen to be the 12th because she thought that she was going to be the 12th because she lit her own cigarette. So then you find out that Baphomet has this other like inside voice. So the thing about the gods is that their text sometimes is usually different than mm -hmm. um, than regular people. And so like he has this other person who is him talking to him, but talks to him in like this other weird text. So there's obviously something really weird going on with him. Moving forward, moving forward, you find out that again, you find out what the backstories of those two guys who died and it seems like it's tied up in a nice bow, but Laura's still asking the question, well, yeah, but what about the judge? No one's really talking about that. Baphomet then tries to kill Erder, but is stopped by the Morrigan. Um, Ananki tries to then kill him, but the Morrigan takes him to the underworld. And then um, Erder is really upset that people still are worshipping her and she's just like I don't understand what you know she's like I thought I would expose them and they're like no nah. so then Baphomet is still like okay well you know uh, he's like okay well I'm gonna go kill um Inanna then uh Laura is sad and then Ananki comes to try to talk to her so Baphomet and Inanna have this fight and it would appear that Baphomet then kills Inanna and then Ananki turns Laura into Persephone 
only to blow up her head and then kill her family. The end. Dun, dun, dun! Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I first read this, that was like the shock the shit out of me that the main character you have been following for, at that point in time, 11 issues, yep. suddenly dies. And I was like, what so, the fuck? I'm still, okay, so here, so here's my, I guess, I guess my, my little bit of, the, so yes, I was still shocked, however, there's obviously some, something going on with Baphomet, and Cassandra even says it, and Ananki even calls her the speaker of the truth, or like the seer, or whatever, but since she's one of the fates, that she says that Baphomet is not a real god, so I'm wondering who he really is, what kind of weird illusion powers he may or may not have. Um, because my theory, and again, even though I own all the rest of the trades, I have not had time to read any of them, so I actually don't know what happens after this. Oh, okay. But, but I'm sort of, my theory is that uh, that's not really Ananki, and it might be whoever this Baphomet person is, like, masquerading, and it, or whether or not even Persephone is even dead, or Laura is even dead. I'm just, I'm just very skeptical of everything that has happened. Uh, having read further into it and Adam probably can back me up on this you should be very suspicious of things yes Uh, but I think to this point in time Adam I don't, I don't know if it's a spoiler. I won't say yeah, that. I, Never I don't mind. Say anything because there's... Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah don't, don't spoil anything because no, no, I, I, you know, I, I, I want to read it. But I'm just very skeptical of everything that's going on right now. There's obviously a bigger truth that is not happening. Yes, so, absolutely. So, that, that, <laughs> is, that is 100% yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, that's not being told. So so the my the, the first book, I like freaking loved it, and I was totally into it, and I like read it, and it was awesome, and I was like, okay, I'm going to buy the rest of these. This one just did not inspire me as much. Um, mm-hmm. it, it Kind of like that sophomore slump that we've seen with some of the other books where it's like, okay, well, I need to get through this so I can, that way I can see what happens next. Like, I don't care about Wooden. I don't care about Brunhild. I, don't, I didn't care about any of that stuff that was going on. Anana seems like a fun character to, like, bring in and then, like, kill. So, again, I'm, like, real skeptical about why the why bother. I don't know. And I guess, like, you know, the whole Lucy thing. I To me, Lucy seems like the character that you would want to kill and expect to die in order to be shocking. But, like, then killing Laura at the end of this just seemed really cheesy. I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. And then, like, having the whole, like, ball relationship thing happen in the middle of this, that didn't, uh, that just felt really weird to me. I don't, I, I don't know. I understand how you can think of she's, I found it really shocking when she died at the end, uh, mainly because, I I mean, as, as a character that is basically our... Protagonist. Well, it's our narrator, yeah, for, well, yeah. no, it's, our, it's, it's our narrator, it's our link into the story, you know what I mean? Like, it's... It, it's kind of like killing Kitty Pride and like, yeah. and, like, the, and, and, like, after her first appearance. Yeah. You know, um, and like, I mean, it's comic books, so you never know. I mean, and like, there's always that theory that maybe they'll come back from the dead or whatever. Um, but it's still like, it was still like, I just remember reading it going like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? And there were elements of this book that I loved. When I remember when I first read it that didn't necessarily pay off as much for me this time around. One of the things I did love the first time I read it is um, her diagram of her room. I remember reading through that yes. a lot. Of, like, yeah. That I thought was really interesting. And then her, the map of the, the Comic-Con of like, um, mm-hmm. this is where I signed my first autograph. This is where I signed my 12th autographs. This is where I decided I'm not going to sign any more fucking <laughs> autographs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's some fun stuff. Like, like, some of that little extra detail I really loved, but it didn't necessarily, like, pay off as much for me reading it again a second time. But when I first read it, I, I think I was coming off the high of reading the first book, and I think I plowed through the second book faster and better and was more in love with it because I had just read the first one. I think, given some space from the first one, I think it's... 
it didn't resonate with me as well. I still love this series. I still think the series is incredible. This book on its own, I do think when you look at it kind of with a palate cleanser from, you know, not trying to marathon it, it has some flaws a little bit. It's it's a little treading water to try to, you know, it's like a big opening for the, uh, the first trade, and then it's like, okay, now we're going to transition our way into, I mean, it has some stuff in it, but it transitions their way into the next one. The other thing I remember about this book that kind of bummed me out as well is that they killed the, and I, Anon, is that the character? It's basically the prince-like character. Anana, yeah. yeah. I basically just keep identifying them with what pop star I associate them with is what I end up doing, which is kind of part of the point as well. But like, it's always like, oh, they killed the character who was like Prince, which I thought, like, I liked that character. I thought the character was fucking awesome. I love the fact that like his voice was like sex in your ears. Like everyone who talked to him was like, I am in love with him. You know what I mean? Even her mom was like, I am in love with him, which I thought was great. Um, Adam, I cut you off like a long time ago. I apologize. No, no, you're fine. I mean, that's, you know, this one, again, because I, I read the first one and then immediately bought the next three and I plowed through them all the same night. So, yeah, I'm right with you on that is, you know, when because the first one's a masterpiece. And this one, like we've said before with the sophomore slump, okay, we set up this world, we created the rules, we made this big, huge ending for the first one, and now we've got to kind of explain some of our mythology. Because there's, there's a whole scene in there where Ananka explains who the gods are, why they had to come back the way they do, and like how she used to be a god and gave up her powers to to make sure she was like the overseer and this battle of good versus evil, which they t- tell you about, but then they don't really explain what they're doing now. I mean, if this is like the gods fighting good and evil, why are they pop stars? You know? So, yeah, there's a couple holes in there. But yeah, you definitely... I highly recommend reading these just, you know, one through four not like all in the same night like I did, but definitely like I would say pick up the first one, read it, and then for the next one, maybe a day or two later, start working on that one. Because when I first started with this one again, I was like, I don't know who the fuck these characters are. Who is this person again? Who is this person? I'm like, oh yeah, because they weren't here in the first one. I just didn't remember because it had been so long. So I'm not saying that we need to have, you know, a previously on Wicked and Divine, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're a couple months or a year out of the series, you're you're going to be lost for the first issue, and then you pick back up again, and it goes from there. Um, but yeah, there's those problems. There's some pacing in the middle where I just didn't really care what's going on. I mean, like we said with Whedon or Woden, whatever his name is, I, I don't give a fuck that he's an asshole and just is trying to fuck chicks because that's he's not important to the story whatsoever at all. I can't remember how much he plays a part later on, but. You don't just introduce someone and make them an asshole and then have them disappear for the rest of the series because it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're going to have an asshole, that's fine, but make sure it's relevant to the plot and not there just because you want to have them dick someone over. Um, and, and and I guess that's kind of my, my biggest thing about this, um, about the, the, the way that the characters are. Like, it's like... So like we're so and, and and maybe that's the point like we get we're getting so invested into Laura cuz I mean we're literally just following Laura. Everyone else is secondary. Um so far in fact there are very few scenes like without Laura a part of it and then you know her head explodes. Um so so like everyone else it's like you're really not like we still don't even really know who this Terra person is who's another one of the it's, she, I think she's the only God so far who hasn't even like appeared on panel yet, um, and mm-hmm. who I'm also guessing is whichever like the comedy tragedy face in the symbols thing. We we get Anana kind of flushed out, and we get Dionysus a little bit flushed out. I mean, at, at least we see the fact that he's like super sad, and then wooden a little bit. But like we're, we're like I just don't feel like we're getting to actually know who these people are or why we should care about the gods in general. Um, mm-hmm. Like I just don't feel as though 
like I need to care. Like I like I cared about Lucy, and I kind of care about Laura. Um, so I'm just kind of like, well, I, well, who are these other people, and why do I care whether or not they die in two years? And then like there seemed to be like this whole big fangirl thing from Laura about. I'm gonna pronounce her name wrong. The red-haired one, who's the 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 sun god in in Asian culture from the first book, and then she doesn't even appear in this one. So I'm like, yeah. why, like wh- again, why am I caring about all of these people who are supposed to be trying to find out who's killing them? I also I, I'm, I'm very leery about um, characters who like speak in riddles and speak. And, and like double talk kind of thing, which is what Ananki is doing. So obviously she's being kind of set up as this big mystery, and because uh, it it just seems like she's saying a lot without actually saying anything, and I just get re- I get really tired of that quickly. So I'm already kind of over her, and then the fact that she kills Luce or uh, Laura at the end of this, I'm always like, all right, all right, I'm done. I'm fucking done. What the fuck is going on? Although I will, it. what I will say is, and this is something that Walking Dead does really well, which uh, I have more experience from the the TV series, not so much the comics. Is I love a story where no one is safe. And yes, you know maybe the biggest statement you can make is killing your main character, especially when it's least expected. And it's nice knowing. I mean, obviously we know all the gods are eventually going to die because that's p- part of the mythology. But setting it up so that something like that comes out of left field that you weren't expecting and couldn't be expecting is something that I've always appreciated in any medium, whether it's a book, a movie, a comic. Um, I mean, that's, you know, Game of Thrones, for instance, you know, they, you kill off your, your main character at the end of the first book, and it's like, oh, fuck. I, I was not expecting that. So I like being kept on my toes in that way. I'd forgotten about it until I got there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. She's going to fucking die. Fuck. So I, I'm a little bit different than you, Q, because I, I do agree that, yes, she, you know, she's the one who's kind of being our go-to into this world. But I do think it's pretty cool when an author does that and you just you couldn't be expecting it whatsoever i think q's point i mean i'm not trying to put words in your mouth but i think part of q's thing was is that he doesn't necessarily see why it's important to get to know these people and i mean part of it is is they're juggling basically 12 gods you know in the course of these panels and i do know that i don't want to give away too much but having read further past this certain gods come into play and become more pivotal roles depending on which part of the storyline it is and there is a lot of juggling of characters that goes on Ananki does become a big part of something but I, I just I don't want to kind of go too much into it because I don't want to spoil future things for it but I will say that I do have a cocktail uh, for this week uh, which is based on um, our character Laura who becomes Persephone at the end of it my cocktail is the Persephone and this actually comes from the uh, PDT cocktail book PDT being a speakeasy in New York that I have talked about before and I've been to Um, and this is uh, one ounce of Laird's Applejack three quarters ounce of a Dolan sweet vermouth a half ounce of Plymouth slow gin a half ounce of fresh lime juice and a half ounce of simple syrup you stir them all together and you uh, until well chilled and then you strain into a chilled coupe glass Q do you have a cocktail for us this week yes I do mine is also based on um, another character we meet in in this book um, I thought that we'd go with Dionysus uh, uh, so uh, Dionysus being the god of wine I chose a sangria but a very very potent sangria to make you feel like you're on drugs at a party. So it is uh, one bottle of a fruity red wine, uh, one and a half gallons uh, or, of orange juice. So, you know, sangria, you're making a lot. You're not just making one drink. Um, a half cup of brandy, half cup of tri- triple sec, a bottle of vodka. Um, this one suggests absolute. I'd say do, do you. 
Um, <laughs> an eighth cup of lime juice, two sliced apples, two oranges segmented and cut up. Uh, it says ten grapes, which just seems like such like a weird like <laughs> one, <laughs> two, exactly. three. Uh, like, oh no, 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 you have eleven grapes. You're fucked. You got to We got to remake it. You're over. I say throw some grapes in there, hun. Do you? Do, <laughs> you, do, you. <laughs> You let you let and go then, and you let God. Yeah, and then and then a uh, a two liter bottle of uh, a a lemon lime soda of your choice. Um, so you pretty much just pour all that together, throw the fruit in. Um, it suggests either letting it sit for at least two hours, but the best is if you let it sit overnight. So that way, all the fruit gets all delightful and boozy and then enjoy. Adam, do you have a cocktail? I do, and actually I'm going with the other god too. I'm going with the Erder. Is that how you say it? You Erder? I'm, I'm a, I just assume so. Yeah, Erder. Or we can just call it Norn. I don't know. That's, that's her actual name. <laughs> uh, so this one is uh, one and a half ounce of St. Germain, half ounce of orange juice, a half ounce of pineapple juice. Uh, you stir that up, and then you top it with one and a half ounces of a Prosecco, and then you pour that into a, mart- a well-chilled martini glass, and garnish with an orange rind. That sounds delightful. It does, doesn't it? I, I didn't have any Prosecco on me, so I couldn't make it yet, but that's the one I was, that I looked up and was trying to find something that was like a good, like, like a nice summer drink, you know, because it's hot as balls out right now. And that, along with like the fruit punch and everything else, just sounds like something that would be delightful. Does anybody else have anything they want to jump in on and discuss? Because I kind of like cut people off and sort of just threw in my cocktail because that was what was on my head. No, I think I think we're all kind of in agreement. You know, this is still a really cool series, and, you know, Brian and I, you, we've, read on further so we kind of know all the ins and outs and but to be honest I'm, I'm looking forward to reading them again because I've forgotten so much yeah but much like some of the other ones where this does have the feeling of okay we've set up this world we've given you the rules but now let's give you the background and it just doesn't come across quite the same way as it did with the first one so as much as I love this book and it's really interesting I, I was enjoy going back and meeting these characters again uh, I if this was the first one, I probably wouldn't have set it as the high high bar that we did because it doesn't quite have the same impact and everything that the very first graphic novel did. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and I also I, the one thing about rereading this book reminded me not the remind me, I knew that I have the most recent trade is in my hold right now at the comic shop, and because I've been traveling back and forth a lot, I haven't had a chance to go pick up my hold. But I did realize that I'm probably going to have to go back and at least read the trade before the last one to try to get caught up. And get back in the story before I jump in on the next one because I was like, having you know been about a year apart from reading the first book and then reading this book again, some of that stuff you know falls out of your head for a little while. There's a you know, we've read you know we've done 66 episodes, so we've read a few comics here and there, just for the show alone. Then all the stuff that we recommended, and then all the shows and you know jobs and spreadsheets and whatever we've done since then. You know, there's a few things that filled our head and then so. Um, I'm probably going to be going back and actually rereading several of these books before uh, I get to my next one, uh, which I'm going to have to pick up in the next couple days. I do enjoy the series, but it, it is the kind of... It's a sophomore slump, but it, I, I do know that it's going somewhere, and you can kind of still tell it's going somewhere. I remember when I, the first time I read I felt it was very impactful, but uh, yeah. I guess we should also comment on the fact that the art is fucking solid. The character design... Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. So it's not like um, it's not like a superhero book where like everyone has like a costume that they wear. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. Wooten is the only one where he's like a costume that he wears all the time. But the character design 
is so great. All the different um, clothes that people wear. Um, they're ve it's very cool stuff. Like I even love in the Persephone design at the very end. Her necklace has a skull on it because obviously Persephone is the queen of the underworld, but also <laughs> has these little red jewels on them that kind of look like pomegranate seeds, which is the whole way that she gets out of the underworld. If, if or how. Um, Hades tricked her to come down. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was like giving her a pomegranate. The little details that you you can really notice that you can tell they they really put a lot of work into you know basing these gods on their well I'm not gonna say real yeah. life counterparts but their mythology counterparts. Which is just cool. Um, and just the McKelvey I guess is is the name of the uh, of the artist. Uh, Danny McKelvey, yeah. Yeah, just like solid. Solid art. What's the other thing that McKelvey did that I that I really like? Now I'm blanking he, on. I don't. Oh, I don't know what else. He's done a lot of stuff with uh, Karen Gillan. I I, um, I, I want to say maybe um, maybe Young Avengers. That sounds right. I think. I think we discussed it last time. But just always just so, solid I'm work. Looking it up. I, I think I, the problem is that I can't use my computer because I placed my microphone in a precarious place, <laughs> which is why I tried to move it before, and then it turned off. So just really, really good stuff. Uh, I will say, as a downfall to this book, could be if they were to ever change artists, I don't know if it would be the same. They do. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess the... Um, the uh, I, I love Kevin Wada, and he did do um, a, a some art in the back of the, of the last book, and... Um, Maybe I could, you know, maybe I could deal with him because he does such um, high fashion concept art. But mm -hmm. I, I just don't know if it if it would really be the same thing for me if it, when they when they change artists. One thing, other thing I was struck about, and we discussed it briefly when we read the first book, but I kind of re caught up with it again when we we're reading this. Is one of the things I do kind of really enjoy about this book is a sexuality on this thing is kind of just this open flowing, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Which I th I kind of like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's no one is sleeping with anybody for shock value. It's just you know that's who they are that's the person that they want to be with at that point in time the other thing i didn't really think about and i think it's a credit to the writer maybe it's just a, a i don't know credit in general is anything about the fact that the main character of this book for most of what we've read so far is half black half white girl which i mean there's not a lot of comics you can point to that and say that the main character is that you know like it is not a i mean there's a lot of comic books that are, are led by a white guy you know what i mean and so having and, and, to, and to be honest not made a big deal of just Oh, completely, and that's what I think is so great about it. Yeah, it's like, and that's what I love about this book is that like there is a lot of diversity in this book, both in sexual orientation and in race and in gender. And I love the fact that it doesn't matter, and it's not made a big deal of. And you, like, I think that's a credit to the art. I think it's a credit to the writing that that's just who those people are, and you don't worry about it. And it was, I, I hadn't like it was so fluid that I hadn't even really thought about it until I was reading it again today, and we were I remembered our discussion from the last time I read the book. Um, which I thought was just kind of something really fun and enjoyable, and I like that. So, just to mention you with the diversity piece was I had forgotten about the fact until I, I um, was that Cassandra, who turns to Ur, it's Urror, not Urder. I was reading the book wrong. Mm -hmm. um, she's trans, and that's it's brought yeah. up I think once, and then like it should be never mentioned again because <laughs> that's you know it's, yeah. it's, it's it's again it's part of your sexuality. It's not your like defining character trait, and they do a really good job, like you said, of being being respectful um, and. You know, a lot of things. If you look at mythology too, is you know the the gods back then were pretty, you know ancient gods were were all pretty much pansexual. So mm -hmm. the fact that this person, this god, slept with people or male, female, trans, whoever else, doesn't make a difference. And 
you're not and if you read this book and you're like offended by that then first of all stop listening to this podcast <laughs> um and go away uh but yeah like, that's that's a really cool point you brought up that there was you know our main character is a woman of color uh and that you know everyone's kind of in this free you know be who you want to be and be what makes you the best you can be um kind of status in their lives so yeah and i mean i was 11 issues in until i went oh yeah that's right she's not a white dude you know what i mean like just because it just didn't matter you know and it as it it shouldn't but you know as much stuff as we read here uh and we've tried to go for more diversity than i think a lot of comic books actually are i mean it is kind of rare to find um books that aren't led by a white male you know right and what's also really important though too is, is we talked about this when wonder woman came out is how you know i know Q was excited. I mean, we were all, I think, we're really excited about Wonder Woman because it's a, it's a really good movie. But it doesn't match the feeling of like all my my female friends or my uh, who went and saw it and were just blown away because they finally got their superhero. And we're seeing mm-hmm. it with uh, you know I've got some friends who are people of color and that said just like they lost their shit at the Black Panther trailer. I lost my shit well, too. It's also a badass trailer though. It looks so fucking cool. There aren't enough white people in it. Who God, gives a shit? Fuck. That looks awesome. But it's you know we we didn't think about the fact that we had. First of all, a female main character and also someone who's a person of color. But I guarantee you out there, there's a young teenage girl who is just losing her goddamn mind that she's mm-hmm. in a comic. And yeah, completely. that's so cool. And, you know, we didn't notice it. Uh, you know, last month when we were doing uh, when we were doing the, the Pride Month and we, we had you know, all these LGBT comics, it was really cool. But none of those topped for me how I felt reading the new Iceman relaunch where he's kind of telling his story. And basically, it's uh, Bobby Drake on like it's, it's not grinders but it's like it's like a like a tinder or something like, like that tinder, it's not like a hookup site it's more an actual dating site but he's like trying to like, oh gotcha about the whole issue he's writing his profile and like trying to and also fighting bad guys and doing crazy things mm-hmm. and it didn't like you do yeah like you do and it didn't hit me until then that i was like how excited i was because i've got a gay superhero who i've always been a huge fan of and who i've loved and I thought sean ashmore did a great job in the movies and sean ashmore has said like hey if you bring me back i will play gay iceman so mm-hmm. I kind of got a taste of that. I'm just I'm really excited for the day that you know, let's say the the next X Men movie, uh, Dark Phoenix, which I'm already be fucking excited for if they do it right. Uh, we bring bring in Bobby Drake and he's gay. That's gonna be a huge deal for me because I've been waiting for that for a long time and I've never gotten that. Um, so yeah, that's when people say, well, how come you have to have female led Star Wars and how come you have to have the Black Panther movie and there aren't enough white people? It's like it's, it's the same reason why we don't need straight pride. You you, you get that every single mm-hmm. fucking day of your life. Be happy that people who have never been represented or represented poorly are finally getting to see themselves shown in a very positive light in a way that where they can point at the screen or point at the comic book and be like, that's me. And now I'm going to get off my soapbox and take a sip of my drink. To add on to that, I think the other benefit of that, I mean, looking at this book and looking at, we'll say, uh, Rogue One and uh, the new Star Wars, is, is not only do they have some diversity in the leads, but they're also kick-ass stories, too. You know what I mean? Like, So it's not necessarily like lip service kind of thing. I'm like, oh, here, you can have one hero, but it's going to be a shitty comic or it's going to be a shitty thing. To, be, to have representation in something really fucking awesome is kind of amazing. And, like, as the guy who's represented in everything as a straight white male, I still love these characters i still i think ray is a badass i loved rogue one um and i love this book and like it doesn't have to matter but we all know based on recent events there is a part of the at least world i know definitely our country that makes a big fucking deal out of it which is frustrating to say the least because they're assholes well there's also that too well speaking of assholes shall we go into grades (laughs) sure 
Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking bummed. God, please, no! 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 Uh, who wants to go first? I just talked for five minutes. Cue you go first. <laughs> um, I am gonna give it like a B minus. It really sank down for me. Um, which is very it it's, it was very disappointing. It was a very disappointing follow up. Not that it is necessarily bad in any way, but like the first one was so exciting. And this one, I feel like I got lost in the sauce of, like, all the intrigue. It's like they brought up all the intrigue and all, of like, the kind of mystery without solving anything in in these books. It's like, give me one at a time, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just, it just seemed like a lot was happening, and it was like too much was happening, so you couldn't really just focus on one thing. Like, what's going on with Baphomet? What's going on with Ananki? What's going on with Minerva, who randomly is showing up and we're, we're supposed to care that she's sad? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, like I know, seriously. Right? Like, it, it didn't make any sense. Like, why the fuck is this person here? Like, what's going on? Ah. Because it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, why Like, why is she so sad? Because Trump is president. Well, girl, this is a, this was book <laughs> takes place in 2014. That wasn't a thing yet. And they're British. So. Yeah, yeah, they're British. It's still a good book obviously you're going like you should keep reading and i'm hopefully going to read the third one before we (laughs) next year um (laughs) yeah that's all i'll say um i will i'm gonna go with my grade i'm gonna give it um i'll probably do a b plus but most of that is not coming off of the second reading i'm trying i'm i'm Grading that based on my reaction, I remember from the first time I read it, um, some of the elements of like the students of her bedroom. I liked the uh, episode eight, or not episode issue eight, uh, with the dance club with Dionysus um, and the map of you know the uh, Comic Con and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that, el- those elements, I loved. And for the shock value I had the first time I read it of uh, Laura dying, I-, I remember that flooring me and was like, holy shit, you know what I mean? So based on that experience, like the second time around, obviously doesn't have the same kind of impact, but I still like this book but based on my memory of, of that i'm gonna give it um what i ever say b b plus somewhere in there uh adam what is your grade so i'm actually really glad that i did get a chance to read it again and have that time to kind of exa- look at the book differently because i definitely came off the first book high the first time i read this one and back then i probably would have given it another a plus because i was just so in love with the series but because mm-hmm. i had a chance to go back look at it again and it, there's nothing wrong with having a good book and noticing there's problems with it. I do that with movies all the time. Yeah. Uh, like Wonder Woman is a perfect example. I fucking love that movie. I'm seeing it for a fourth time tomorrow. I still have to point out the flaws. And yes, this one, there's too much world building going on. There's pacing problems in the middle. It just it kind of got all muddled and trying to figure out who's doing what and what's happening and everything. Too much story plot got in the way of the story, basically. But it is still a really good book. I highly recommend... Again, getting the whole series because I've read the whole thing now. Uh, so I'm actually going to split you guys down the middle and go with a B. But okay. just get it. It's a good grade. Go for it. You're not going to be upset. But if you if you if you jump from one to two, you're going to be fine. You're going to be flying that high. But if you wait, like you know, a couple weeks or a month, you're definitely going to see that this one kind of fell off from what the first one was. 
Cool. So next week, uh, episode 67, we are continuing on our take two. Uh, this is a book that we read relatively recently. We are going to read a volume two of The Sandman, which is called The Doll's House by uh, Neil Gaiman or Gaiman or whatever. Gaiman. We never quite figured that all out. It's been so long since I've read this. I have nothing to say about what happens in this book. So um, we'll all be surprised together. Uh, that has been the nice thing about reading the Sandman books again is because the first time I read them, I didn't necessarily enjoy it, which is why I only own the first two. And now that I reread the first one a little while ago and I... There's something that clicked the second time I read it, and I liked it a lot more. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading the second one again and getting reacquainted with that, and kind of hoping this will jumpstart me into finishing off that series because I, I did really enjoy the first one. Oh, we do you want to do recommendations? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm such a bastard. I apologize. Uh, yeah, so, Adam, do you have any recommendations? Uh, yeah, something kind of different that uh, hasn't really comic-related, but uh, when we recorded this the weekend before was the Utah Arts Festival, and... A buddy of mine was up here, and he was performing uh, spoken word poetry, and so I sat for three days watching people perform, and it's, we got some fucking talented people up here, so it got me kind of actually doing it myself, uh, and Todd was nice enough to come to me to my first slam uh, last week, but if you want to see mm-hmm. them, the group is called the Wasatch Wordsmiths, uh, they do an open mic every Sunday at a coffee shop off 33rd, I can't remember what it is, but the slams they do are uh, the last Monday of every month at Even Stevens downtown on, uh, I think it's like 2nd South and 5th uh, East, I want to say, and more importantly, the one they do on the second Thursday of every month is at the Watchtower Cafe, who are really good friends of ours, we love Corey and Tui, yep. uh, and uh, we have maybe some more news about them coming up later but it's a lot of fun it's really cool if you go down there you've never been the way a slam works is that you will be a judge your first time that's, that's kind of weird so if you go down there you probably will see me talking about all the horrible things that have happened in my life uh, as a way to kind of exercise my own demons but it's really cool you'll never find a really nicer more accepting group of people than you've ever met in your life uh, so yeah Wasatch Wordsmiths they're on Facebook and Twitter uh, and I highly recommend uh, checking them out if you are uh, in the area. Um, when I'm in uh, in uh, town, let, uh, let me go to one of those with you because I've always been very curious. Cool, yeah, we, so. can do, we can definitely do an open, open mic. I don't think you'll be in town during the slam, but if so, uh, Todd was nice enough. He came to me last time. He recorded me. Uh, mm-hmm. it was, it, it's a really cool thing. I mean, even if you go up there and you suck like I did, everyone's still going to give you a hug and cheer you on, and uh, it's really, really cool. So. No, I just, I mean, because like I will be, when I'm in town, I'm basically doing rehearsals for a couple hours during the day, and then I'm free at night. So, um, and I'm always kind of just, I've always been kind of curious about that. I did a lot of poetry in high school and actually won some competitions and got some awards and shit like that, but then I have just completely fallen off. So I'm always just fascinated. Um, so uh, I would love to come check it out and support you and uh, and see what's going on. So cool. well, uh, if, if, if you're up here what's happening, I, I would love for you to come and you can see cool. me say horribly depressing things. Sounds like fun. Uh, Q, do you have any recommendations? Um, no. <laughs> no, okay. He wants to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, get, get get your eight hours of sleep, kids. Uh, this one's kind of for Q and kind of for me. I'm not finished reading it right now, but I, st- I think I discussed it earlier, and I think I was mistakenly thought that it was going to be a Broadway musical, but it is not. It's actually a play that you can buy, um, and I wish I had it in front of me, but there's a play called 10 Out of 12, um, which is about the tech rehearsal process, and uh, I would love to sound design the show. Uh, in the script, it says that every member of the uh, audience gets uh, a, a headset, so they hear what's going on in comm, and then they also hear what's going on in the house, and they see. So basically, it's like putting the audience, like it's basically sort of like a, a theatrical version of what uh, our rehearsal process is and all the craziness it is. And so I guess the, the it's sort of an avant-garde sort of thing. But I've been reading it; it's I find it super fascinating, um, and I. Uh, if anybody so has wait, a theater, 
So is there a script? Yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting. The way the script is, um, is it's notated a couple different ways. So there are characters who have lines, and if it's underlined, that line is set on headset, so you'd only ever hear it like in the headset and so like actors theoretically wouldn't see that so like a, a, a technician or a stage manager could say a comment that wasn't necessarily being heard by the real world and then you have some things that are being heard and then you have some actors and there, there's some characters who only ever are heard like the lighting engineer or the lighting designer and the sound engineer slash designer are only ever heard but like the stage manager and some stage management team you will hear them you know, either through comm or through speakers, but you also see them walk up and down on stage, and there's like four actors in the show and whatnot as well. So it's very the way it's written is fascinating. It's kind of it almost looks like um, so like an E.E. E. Cummings poem because like depending on how it's like if it's in italics, it's this. If it's you know solid, it's this. If it's underlined, it's this. But it's it's a very interesting read so far. I just haven't not that I haven't finished it because not because it's a difficult read, just because I haven't had time. It's been one of those things where I've sort of laid down in bed, started reading, and went, oh shit, I have comics I have to read for the show, and you know. Switch over to reading those but um so far i've been enjoying it um and uh yeah if if it ends up being completely awesome i'll probably recommend it again but uh if anybody out there owns a small theater company and they want to produce that i might be willing to design it for free just because i think it's a fascinating script and i want to sound design it because it would be a pain in the ass but a really interesting sound design so yeah and one more thing for me to do because yeah because i don't have enough on my plate i'm an idiot (laughs) but anyway okay then one one more quick thing sorry i just totally forgot um so one of my favorite plays of all time is angels in america and they did a really fantastic hbo miniseries with uh al pacino meryl streep absolutely fantastic uh they i think it was the west end they did this one uh we had andrew garfield playing prior walter and you had nathan lane playing roy Cohn. Well, they filmed it, and Fathom Events is doing a two-night presentation of uh, both parts of it. So the first one's on the, on the 20th, the second one's on the 27th. If you just go to Fathom Events, look it up. Uh, it is one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen. Uh, I love it, and I highly recommend it. And you get to see some really, really talented uh, and famous people that you know of doing the parts. It is really long. Each one's like three hours and 40 minutes long, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a bit of a marathon. But it is split up over two nights, so... You won't be sitting there for eight hours watching a play. Doesn't part of that take place in Salt Lake City as it well? It does because it's all it's all about it's, it's very very about um, Mormons and LDS people uh, and a bunch of other stuff. The AIDS crisis during the eighties when AZT was really the only thing that we had. Uh, it's mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it does play a lot into Mormon theology. But no, it's it's fantastic. Uh, and if if you can't make that, you can pick up the the miniseries uh, for probably twenty bucks. Uh, or if you have, if you have HBO Go or Live. Uh, it's free, but it's it's really, really, really good. Uh, fantastic. Well, then with that, uh, we will now you know say okay. Thank you very much for everything, and uh, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to funnybooksandfirewater.com for the most up-to-date information, as well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop, tip your bartender well, and stay hydrated.